0: bearcat bounce podcast back at it again aaron smith how good up, good up. are we doing well man merry
1: christmas a uh, little belated and uh, early happy new year my friend
0: yes merry christmas happy new year we will be touching on all of those here on this pod are gonna a little bit of uh, presents uh, a little merry christmas presents a little belated presents as you mentioned of course am gonna touch on a little uh New Year's resolutions for both teams make it be the football and the basketball team, but the the main thing looming for all Bearcat fans is coming up this Friday. Obviously, it's been talked about ever since last Saturday, and it's just a big-time matchup against the Georgia Bulldogs in the Peach Bowl. Aaron, you've had a second uh, a whole week to sit back, think about it, regurgitate everything you've seen this entire season from the Bearcats. What are some general thoughts that you have heading into this massive, massive opportunity? I'm going to say, I'm not even going to call it a game right now, I'm going to call it an opportunity against the Georgia Bulldogs.
1: I mean, I'm super excited. First and foremost, that we won enough games to make an appearance in an NY six bowl. I think all of us can say, I mean, I think it's a fair assumption to say that all of us were nervous against Tulsa, Um, you know, with everything on the line there with that, field goal going through the uprights. Um, it was completely nerve wracking, but okay. here we are going into the peach bowl as was predicted um, several weeks, actually prior to most of the talking heads were saying that we were going to be in the peach bowl against these Georgia okay. Bulldogs. Um, It's, it's going to be quite a matchup though. I think that first and foremost, you get to see what this team can do against a G G five or a, I'm sorry, a P five, as there was plenty of talk about that without getting too much into the whole CFP debacle and all of that. Uh, you have JT Daniels is back and he's playing very, very well. He finished the season with 839, nine scores, one pick compared to Desmond Ritter, not talking about his uh, running yards, but Ritter finishes with 2090, 17 touchdowns, six picks. It's going to be quite a matchup. And I think that you'll finally get to see, this defense matched up against a very, very good offense, uh, and you'll get to see what this offense looks like against a, a P5 school.
0: I, I completely agree with all that, and the BCJ pod will break that down. the uh, The Georgia Bulldogs, kind of, you know, piece by piece, a little later in the week. But you know, it's as as you kind of touched on Christmas. Uh, by the way, is that a is that a new Christmas hat? Did we get that? For
1: Christmas it is. Or... Yeah, I got I got um, lots of UC gear for Christmas. So um, wow. sitting here in the laundry room, you know, Congratulations! I just
0: to doing, doing some quick laundry and I'm happy Cole Smith gave you. Uh, I, I believe you guys are related, probably some crazy way. I, a, I can only imagine. A million of us. Yes. Yes. So so Cole Smith, I, I made sure he got you the birthday present, pardon me, Christmas present of knocking that field goal through the uprights. Very nerve wracking game. But I think the main thing that you kind of touched on is just, you know, reaching a level that you finally are able to say that you belong and you're given an opportunity to show that you belong. And I think it in, in the press conference today, Luke Fickle kind of touched on it. And he, he mentioned just how this is, he's watched the tape and he believes this is the toughest team that they, that they, Bearcats would have faced up until this part of his coaching career with you the can't. Cats. I, yeah,
1: I mean last eight I I'm just going to say you don't expect him to say anything less than that, though, do you? He's, no. I mean, he's not going to give you a, a top five that he's faced and put them somewhere slotted in the middle,
0: right? Right. He knows, how, he knows right. how to,
1: he knows how to work the mic.
0: He does. He does, and and he even touched on the whole Ohio State team and how they played them last year, and he thought that they got better as the year went on, this, that, and the other. But still, he is he is putting this as the Bearcat Super Bowl. I think that will be somewhat of a storyline heading into the game. But, you know, the main thing that I want to see, and we're going to kind of both break this down because obviously the BCJ pod will cover more of the Georgia side of it, but what do you kind of feel like is the most important thing where fourth quarter ends, one team is, is selected the winner, whether it be the Bearcats, whether it be the Bulldogs, but what is one thing that you hope to walk away with saying about the Cincinnati team when the game ends on Saturday, on Friday?
1: I want to see this defense perform the way that we've heralded them as a top 10 defense. I want to see them hold. I think if you, regardless of what the score is, I think if you hold Georgia under 20 points, that's a win. That's a huge win, especially the way that JT's been playing. Um, You know, there's no denying that his skill level is, I mean, it's, it's lights out, really. I mean, the dude is good. So it, it should be very, very interesting to see the, uh, the two second-team All-Americans in James Wiggins and Ahmad Sauce Gardner and the rest of the Black Cats D out there against what's been a very good Georgia Bulldogs offense in this 2020 COVID season.
0: So you mentioned keeping their offense under 20 points. Mm-hmm. It's only happened once this year, and that was in Lexington, Kentucky. They beat the Wildcats 14-3. to
1: But if you want to be a top-10 defense the way that everyone's been talking about this team, and we've been a bit exposed as a conference throughout this bowl Mm -hmm. season, I think you have to go out there and put on a show as a defense, regardless of what the offense does.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. You want, you want to see your defense, as You mentioned those, those two, you know, all American performers perform up to that high level. I think, I think you also want to walk away with a sense that, Hey, this offense is starting to to really click and you can feel like if things continue in that direction, the offense can now hold up just as high as the defense did this year, because, you know, Kirby smart was asked this a lot as well. George's coach. He was, he was asked, you know, Hey, you're, you're starting to see a little bit of a change in college football where it's a little bit more offensive-driven. Do you feel like that is where you need to start heading, where you try and be, become an elite offensive team as well with your defense? Well, you know, I, it's, he's not wrong. I think that you do – having an elite defense is fantastic, but you're looking at games where, you know, against Florida, they lost 44-28, to and against Bama, they lost 41-24 – I mean, you're, you're still putting up some points. I mean, that's like when Cincinnati played Tulsa. Tulsa scored 24. You know, it's, you're, you're putting up points. But can your offense go out there and compete against the top-level defenses? Because George's defense is phenomenal. It, it, it is by far the best defense that this Bearcat team has seen this entire season, especially against the run. So I'm going to walk away from this game saying, hey, you know what? The defense played, like you said, like we know how they can play. But I want to say, hey, that, that offense looks to be trending in the right direction. It, it looks like a, a, a piece, you know, a unit that is heading in the right direction. You look back to the Sugar Bowl against Florida, and I know so many different outside things coming into that game, the whole Brian Kelly situation and whatnot, but
1: Tim that, Tebow was, and that was Jesus. the Bearcats
0: at the highest level, on, on, on top of the highest, you know, pedestal in front of America, and Florida just took it to them. Cincinnati's offense could not get going. It was, it was just one of those games where you did not look like you quite belonged. So in this game, I I want them to look like they belong both defensively, but more importantly on offense. Well,
1: you also have to keep in mind that there's eight players already sitting out for Georgia, as opposed to none currently sitting out for UC. And that Mm -hmm. can be taken two different ways that can be taken as one way where Georgia's setting themselves up for what everybody's already expecting. If Cincinnati beats them, well, we didn't have all of our guys in we didn't really care about this game, yada, yada, yada. Except that I'm sure there's some bonus incentives in there for the coach. And I'm sure that, you know, if they win, you know, of course they want to win this game. There's, there's money on the line. Like let's be all the way real. It's about money. But aside from that uh, you also kind of have situation where if Cincinnati gets taken to the woodshed in a similar fashion to the Florida game as you mentioned or even in a similar fashion to the 42 nothing drubbing that everyone loves to bring up around these parts anytime anybody brings up the word Cincinnati to an Ohio State fan and you know you if you want to be in the conversation you have to keep yourself in the conversation so you know Again, if we can keep them under 20 and if we can score some points, I know you mentioned being a little nervous about the run. We also have to consider that there is an injury to one Jared Dokes and we'll see if he's back on the field or not. Um, I don't know which way it's leaning, but he did say he's feeling better. Uh, He said that publicly, um, but I don't know what that's going to look like uh, come game time with that all said though. uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, we have to stay in the game. Otherwise, you're not setting yourself up for a very good ranking come next season as you go into Bloomington, as you go into South Bend. And again, if you want to keep yourself in the conversation, all you have to do is literally keep yourself in the conversation.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and as you mentioned, if if the defense needed any additional chip on their shoulder, it might be the fact that Marcus Freeman was not named the assistant coach of the year. And Steve Sarkeesian who, I'm sure has gotten it in similar ways. I, you know I, I just and that's got to be the biggest snub of the year, right? I, I, it always feels like the, you know how people say you can give LeBron James the MVP every single year mm-hmm. in in the NBA. I, it's kind of like that with with Alabama and and teams of that sort, like a Clemson. you know they they have these coordinators and they just funnel them through that are going to put up elite stats and be top level.
1: Because anytime you're out there running everyone a five star at every right. position, you should right. win a ton of games and you should I don't know, man. It's gross. Yeah.
0: I he's arguably has Heisman trophy number, you know, one A and one B at quarterback and wide receiver. When you have that kind of talent that you can just kind of roll your offense through, sure. Maybe give yourself a little Pat on the back because yes, you you were able to make it work to a point where they're putting up those stats and things the, of but, that sort.
1: The running back was an All American too, right? Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> and so yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know the the whole thing. I I mean yeah, Mac Jones Smith. What, I think you, I could you win go up and down the roster. It's just ridiculous.
1: I think I could win the
0: Coordinator of the
1: Year. <laughs> given
0: I think, I think you offer. could. I think you could. I you know Chad, he was he tried to play the and still play football for a little while there and. I mean, his his offense was pretty bad, but give him those players, I think he could actually show worthiness to kind of, like you said, put up that kind of stats. And my know, offense pulled it, pulled was pretty bad. I, it, it looked pretty bad. You couldn't pass worth anything. Yes, I could. See,
1: we're past. Christmas. I was just really
0: good at running. You you were just running the ball on every play.
1: We're past Christmas. I wasn't not... care about presents anymore, Dad.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable.
2: Unbelievable. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here, I'm doing five different things. I'm I'm writing helping write an article for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. I'm the planning AJC? a radio show. I'm planning a radio show for tomorrow afternoon. I'm scheduling guests. I just got off the phone with Justin Berg. I'm producing this podcast. I pop my earphones in and I'm being slandered. Only oh, one of you us, believe this, Aaron.
1: Only one of us is running his mouth for the record. You believe I'm, this, Aaron? I'm still in He's, trouble because I was like 10 minutes late on top of this that half hour and all that. So on top
0: of 24 <laughs> hours.
1: I mean, I'm just trying to earn brownie points.
0: A, a, a special Monday night edition of the BBP. You know, honestly, I was just seeing, you know, threw that out there to see if Dad was still with us. I, you know, we we love your, your chime ins from time to time. You know, you didn't quite have the juggernaut that Coach Duggs did at the many stops he had, but yes, <laughs> yes, you that's because I
2: that, that, that's because I made a fatal error. I didn't try to stream on Xbox. I tried to stream on PS3. And getting a PS3 through the hoops that you have to jump through to stream is fairness, a sorry Dan nightmare.
1: In all fairness, <laughs> Big Cat is a big Cincinnati guy, though.
2: He is. Uh, loves him. Mm-hmm. He's a big Skyline Chili guy. <laughs> so is PFT. PFT he loves, loves Skyline. Yeah. He was carbonating it the other night. So,
1: oh, that's yeah. so gross, man. I don't even want to think would about
2: it. Would you that. would
0: you drink it? Hell skyline no. soda? No I, no, I think I'm good. I, I might try it. I would maybe give it a try.
1: Just a cheese garnish on top. Yes.
0: <laughs> hot sauce. A little hot sauce in your soda. Ooh. Okay. You got like a Tabasco flavored vodka or something? No, or you got where, it's your go. skyline hot sauce. I know. That's the thing.
2: But- that's the thing. Like the out of towners don't know that the actual like staple of Skyline is the hot sauce because they have Steve me.
0: I, I outstanding know. standing hot sauce. I love it. But hey, either way, Chad. I'm just saying. I think that you could have won pro- one the Broyles Award as the offensive coordinator of this Alabama team. Yeah.
2: See, the problem there is like you gotta you gotta be liked by the media. Um. Steve Sarkeesian's liked. <laughs> If you if you survey the media in this town, I don't know what my approval rating
0: would be. <laughs> I think if you're number one the whole year and you uh, putting up those stats, I think you're just immediately loved. Yeah,
2: I'm, I, there's a lot of people in this town that think I'm number one. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> that's they a, just use it. They use a different finger to let me know. That
0: was, that was the big finger there. I like that.
2: Yeah, they, that's like how that. they let me know that they think
0: I'm number one. Yeah. Including the the guy from
2: Channel 19 that blocked me. <laughs> oh no! Oh gosh! You guys can dive into that one. Oh no! Uh, you know, oh the, the quick, guy, no. quick quick research. The, the the guy that tries to troll everybody doesn't like when he gets it thrown back in his face, so he blocked me. Quick uh, <laughs> quick research. I'm guessing he doesn't listen to this podcast. That's a safe bet. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs>
1: If he if he does, he's not listening even this far in. Let's be real. Hi,
0: Jeremy. How you doing, buddy?
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, hey. Back to it. Either way, Marcus Freeman snub, big time snub. I'd say up there at the same level as Derek Forrest getting honorable mention AAC. What what was he snubbed for? They, did they name the Broyles winner? Yes, st- Steve Oh, uh, uh, Okay, that's, I was talking that's, to Berg. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what we were well, just touching on, saying that you would have won the award as I, Alabama's I offensive coordinator because it's look, like literally look. just shooting fish
2: in a barrel. Look, I, look, I'll say there's an exception this year because that Alabama offense was disgusting, Elite level. disgusting. Elite level. But
1: the point that we were making, though, is how of much course. of that was the coordinator as opposed to just the level of competition you're putting on the field.
2: Yeah, but the difference being, did you like, if you watched them, yeah. Like, that—that that they are yes. a cheat code this year.
0: Five but you know what? They looked Ever great seen? last year. At times, they looked great. The they didn't look anything like this year. No. No. I mean, but they have looked great in the past, and I'm sure. I'd have voted coordinators... for Sarkeesian. What? I'd have voted for Sarkeesian.
2: For the record, oh.
1: the Tua Tagovailoa did really well in that system. Yeah, he's he's,
2: he's, not, he's not, not bad. Good. Not not good. I mean, and he's pretty
1: good. Okay. 17 to 22 for 94 as a, yards as a
2: as a college quarterback, it's pretty good. You would have taken him at Cincinnati. You're not wrong. So, I would <laughs> I would have voted for Sarkeesian this year. I would have had Marcus certainly in my top 3, yeah. which I don't know where he finished. But right. but Alabama's offense this year was the most dominating unit in the sport. They and were. Sarkeesian's the offensive coordinator. Yes, he has a lot of uh, toys to play with, but they were the best single unit in the country. Number one yes. was the Alabama offense.
0: I agree. So I agree.
2: Sarkeesian probably deserves the award. I know My, UC yeah. fans aren't gonna like to hear that, but
0: I'd have voted for him. Right. My point of view was just you could you <laughs> could argument argumentatively take. Just, just the whole LeBron James effect where you could give LeBron the MVP every year for the most part in the NBA. Yeah. But so when it comes down to the Alabamas, Clemsons, you know, those, those upper echelon, whenever they have a good offense or whenever they have a good defense, you could immediately name their coordinator as the assistant coach of the year. So I don't know. It's kind of just uh, that's my point of view on it. I think you look at Marcus Freeman as one of the sexiest names out there in college searches, and you immediately kind of look further into, wow, he's he put in a new system middle of the year last year, and now it's clicking on all cylinders. He's got multiple high-level players that are all Americans, all, all AAC teams, blah, blah, blah.
2: I'm not diminishing Marcus Freeman at all. Like I said, oh, no, I he's,
0: he's a top three
2: coordinator in the country this oh, year. For sure. I don't, I don't there's think no there's no any no. question about that. No I'm no. just saying if I'm voting for number one, right. You often vote for what unit is the best unit in the country this year. And yeah. I think that is decidedly the Alabama offense.
1: You call him the sexiest coordinator out there right now. He's, arguing. I mean, I think he's
0: got a crush.
1: I was, I was just going to say, I, I hear he's also good at his job.
0: <laughs> yes, very much so. Well, Hey, that was that was supposed to be a segue into uh, well maybe after further looking into it, you realize maybe the AAC isn't actually that good. Aaron? Mm-hmm. So 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 maybe it's it's tough to look back on these dominating games that they had when the conference has struggled so mightily in these bowl games. Aaron, I I'm just gonna say a couple scores at you real quick. Hey UCF, go up and put a put up a good game against BYU for the conference. 20, that was ugly 49 man, forty nine to twenty three, and it wasn't really even that close.
1: And the spread on that, I believe, when I, at least when I wrote my article, was six points. I don't know what it finished at. Um, yeah. And for if you look at the key wins in that game, as I wrote. You know, BYU had beat Army and Cincinnati's heralding Army as a big win, so I did want to take that into consideration. They also beat La Tech, UTSA, at Boise State, uh, San Diego State. UCF's only key win, even in conference this year, was just Tulane. That was the only team they beat that was over 500. They couldn't finish it against uh, Memphis. They couldn't finish it against Cincinnati. UCF had been a little exposed, and we just kind of got to see that maybe this offense wasn't what we thought it was. They, they, right. went, they went big against mediocre defenses here in, in the AAC, and maybe this AAC isn't what we thought it was when lined up right. against a BYU.
0: I hear you. I hear you. And which then brings up the point of this Nevada-Tulane game. Tulane looked great at times this year. Probably should have had a couple more wins than they did losses throughout the year. Nevada beats them 38-27. And honestly, Nevada had another shot in that first half where they got a goal line stand. Tulane got a goal line stand. Could have been even worse than that final score.
1: And again, that was one where it was the spread on that was only minus one. And that was in Tulane's favor. Nevada had only beaten San Diego State, whereas Tulane beat Army, beat um, <clears throat> actually they didn't, I don't think they beat Army. Um, but they beat Memphis. Um but yeah, it was uh, it was bad. It was it was not at all what we what I had anticipated. Anyway, I thought Michael Pratt. I thought that young core of the receivers that they have, uh, the twins and uh, Deuce and Fat Watts, um, their run run game it, it all had been fairly solid all year. And
0: right. yikes! I think the worst one. I'm gonna skip over the Memphis win over for Atlantic because that was that was pretty pretty plain and simple. But all of a sudden, you got Houston, who obviously Houston had one of the most difficult years, just ravaged by COVID the entire season. But they they lose twenty eight to fourteen to Hawaii, and this wasn't even a game where you go to Hawaii to play.
1: Correct, which is rare for Hawaii to be in a bowl game out of Hawaii.
0: Yeah, you the Rainbow Warriors came in and they, I mean, they took it to the Cougars.
1: And Houston was favored by 13 in that one. And I think at, I don't know. I, I think we all expected Houston to turn the corner at some point this season. They never actually did. Um, and, you know. They, you got a
2: mouse in your pocket?
1: How you mean? It,
2: we. Well, I we, mean, like you and the mouse in your pocket? Who thought Houston was going to turn it around? Dana Holgerson's still their coach, right?
1: I like the thing. <laughs> I, I, I wanted that win to mean more.
2: Yeah, but
0: there was no way they were gonna be good. Well, and they, they weren't. Here's the point. thing. Here's the thing. That that spread started at 13. It worked all the way down to like seven and a half or something like that. It was it was one of the more free money. It was one of the more interesting spreads out there. I whenever there's an AAC team, I get texts saying, How do you feel about this spread? How do you feel about that spread? This one was dropping like it was unbelievable. So I don't know what was going on before you know Hawaii comes out and dominates. So, I don't know. Take that for what it's worth, but but everything brought together. Aaron, not a good look for the AAC heading into now Tulsa versus Mississippi State and, of course, the Bearcats-Peach Bowl on Friday.
1: Let's be real. Mississippi State at 3-7 and seven any other year would not even be in a bowl game. I think it was – I I still think it's a slap in the face to – so uh, Tulsa as a runner up for the conference championship to be matched up with a three and seven Mississippi State team, where literally the only win that they have to tip their cap on is LSU.
2: How yeah. mad would we be if UC was getting ready to play Mississippi State
0: after a gross disservice? But I tell and you, what, that's where they'd be. That's where yeah. they'd be. Uh-huh. If, if Tulsa does not beat Mississippi
2: State, man. No Zayvon Collins.
0: He Is, declared. Really?
1: I still right. hope they beat the brakes off him.
0: Yeah, or, or at least do their typical the close game and then win at the end.
1: I do want to mention that Mississippi State did beat the number 25 team when they were ranked at 25, Missouri, because they were super inflated to make sure that those CFP rankings went right up. Yeah.
0: Mississippi State also beat LSU in the beginning of the year when LSU was supposed to be.
1: When they were six at the first time of the year.
0: So I don't know. It's a, it's a strange situation, but I think the AAC has placed them in a spot where you have to, Tulsa has to win that game against Mississippi State for the respect factor to even be lingering still there.
1: Otherwise every talking head is going to call the entire American conference a sham season this year.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, obviously, Friday's game is different. Georgia's favored. Um, and, you know, we've, we've been breaking it down. It'll be, it'll be a very tough game, very tough opponent in Georgia. But Tulsa versus Mississippi State, I, that needs to be a game that is won for the American Conference. I, I mean, it's, it would be very difficult for the respect factor of the American to still be there if a three and seven Mississippi state team does be the, the only other ranked American team this upcoming week, this when that game is Wednesday, I believe, or Thursday. It, it's just, it's a game that needs to be had for the American conference.
1: I'll be, I'll be completely honest. I'm a little nervous for Tulsa because we've seen some big exposures in this bowl season already with coastal and their game against Liberty. Um, yeah. You know, there, there's certainly been some, and obviously the rest of the uh, the American conference here outside of Memphis against an FAU squad that I wasn't scared of at all uh, <laughs> right. for, for the conference. But, yeah, I mean, I still think that this matchup is complete disrespect for Tulsa, and I, I just feel bad for these kids. I don't blame Zavin Collins for sitting this one out. I had no idea he was sitting out. Um, yeah. I can't say I blame him when you're going up against a horrible matchup.
0: Right. Yeah. I I mean, it'll be interesting to see because I'm sure always up up his sleeve. Mike Leach has some sort of thing concocted up to to try and throw out on the field, especially when they have absolutely nothing to lose. Like you said, this is a game where they wouldn't even be invited to a bowl if it was a normal season. So absolutely nothing to lose on Thursday afternoon. So watch that. Cheer hard for Tulsa. But, of course, the main thing is coming up on Friday for the Bearcats. It wraps up the season, which could go down as the greatest season in program history. Coach Fickle already mentioned this is the best team in program history. But this (laughs) has been a pretty special year, Aaron. Christmas has wrapped up. By the time Friday rolls around, it will be 2021. I got to ask you. What was your favorite moment of the Bearcats 2020 football the entire year? It, it, it started way, way, way back. Oh, yeah. At the very beginning of the season.
1: I mean, let's be completely honest. We went from three games in, is Desmond Ritter the guy, to yep. where we are now, can't imagine life without Desmond Ritter. Right. And just excited about the season that he has. But for me – I mean, the best moment was watching that field goal go through as the clock hit zeros and we won an undefeated season with hardware to bring home.
0: Yeah. I, you know, the, 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 the year started with the win over uh, Boston College way, way back in the beginning of 2020 when, when this whole pandemic was not even in the forecast, where, where it was for some, but for, for people like myself who don't really watch the news or anything like that. Mainly sports. I had no idea this came out of nowhere, but I think the way that the team handled that whole tough situation, the adversity, the entire off season, then I think the the noise surrounding the team, you know, hearing that very first college game day, you you hear the Bearcats name being mentioned in college fo- football playoff talks, that kind of brought the steam around it. You know, Desmond Howard just just really all in on the Bearcats very early in, in the going. But my favorite part, Aaron, as you mentioned, was we saw the defense that we expected the first you know, three games, four games. And, and you were waiting for the offense to come. People were calling for Desmond Ritter to, to be benched and, and bring in Ben Bryant, see if he can help get the offense going. And then that trip to SMU, that, that late, late night where – no one knows what to expect out of the team after an extremely long layoff, one of those 21-day layoffs. And then the team comes out, and they just put on a show. Underneath the lights, Des doesn't throw for a bunch, but he rushes for 179 yards and three touchdowns. That 91-yard run.
1: Longest in the school history.
0: That, that just got the blood pumping. It, it kind of just let you know, hey, wow. The offense seems to be coming around. And that was the start of this big time rush for the offense and for, for Des really as, as an individual to really be up there on the forefront in the nation for college football. And the amount of love that they got around the country, just that that will always be what I remember in 2020. Because even back in, in 2009, yes, the love was there. It was highly talked about with you know Tony Pike and, and Marty Gilliard and yeah. you know, just kind of just the whole. You know, Pike for Heisman for a while. But the amount of, of love surrounding the Bearcats and then all of a sudden the, the fight back that they, we had there at the end of the season from Kirk Herbstreet and David Pollock and things like that. Just being in the news is is huge. Now a chance to to kind of end the year on a high note. I think that that SMU game was the start of just a great run. And if they're able to close it out with with a big win on Friday, I tell you what. 2020 had a couple bright spots, and that would be one of them.
1: I think that that tweet that you brought up in the, our last podcast, where it was Desmond Ritter crying while Mo Bamba pumps in the background, <laughs> Cincinnati won the championship, yep. that, that tweet is going to live for, with me for a very long time.
0: <laughs> it, it, it epitomizes exactly what's going on. Because, you know, you don't have – the, the crowd was good in Nipper. But it was – you could just tell – that was a team thing. That was just the team bonded together for the entire year. You know, everyone talks about 19 straight wins at Nippert. Well, this year, that was without the great crowd that Nippert can bring. I mean, this is just a team bonded and, I don't know, Friday, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. And I I don't know. We'll, ha- we'll have to see. We will have to see. What about – we're going to flip it immediately into – Basketball now. This will be a good segue. Kind, kind, kind of the same thing because obviously the talks around basketball right now aren't quite as positive Oof. as the football side. But looking back, Aaron, 2020 was overall a pretty good year. Yes. For the basketball program. And what was kind of your, your, your highlight of 2020 for the basketball side?
1: Trey Scott winning that game. And again, Cincinnati bringing home some hardware.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. A great culmination to two careers with a Jaron Cumberland drive that attracts four defenders. And then Trey Scott, just a prototypical Bearcat being there for the offensive rebound tip in for the win.
1: And I think I had about four or five winter trips while I was at the game. I miss winter trips on tap. <laughs> I was <laughs> hammered, screaming out of my mind. So go. excited. I miss being at basketball games very very that, much
0: yes and you know I'm I'm gonna go with you on that Trey Scott that erupted fifth third obviously but I mean how about just that entire month of February for for Trey Scott I mean it was it was a month that started off with a 64 62 win against Houston and then it, it, it ended with a win against Wichita 67 64 Trey Scott average 17 points and 14 rebounds. And I in think the with, seven games that encompass that. And there were not one, not two, not three, but four overtime games in that one month. That is just, that it's
1: bananas, insane. Bananas. But I think when you talk about why did Trey Scott get signed to an NBA contract at any point in time, as opposed to Jaron Cumberland, you know, as Trey had his time with the Jazz and you have to look at that. There's no way you don't look at that February. He's just a team player all around, isn't playing yep. ISO ball, doesn't have you know, 25 chances to take it to the cup. He just made a lot of opportunities for himself out of the limited time that he had the ball in his hands.
0: Yeah, and you, know, you look back at a couple of things that kind of get forgotten. First was against Memphis. Trey Scott goes to the line, Bearcats down two. Trey Scott has to make both free throws in order to push that Memphis game at home to overtime. I I mean, think about the amount of pressure on those two free throws. He goes up, he sinks both overtime victory for the Bearcats. And then of course it's going to be hard to forget that play at USF against South Florida, kind of the game was already in hand, but Trey Scott at the free throw line with no other Bearcats there. Four South Florida Bulls, they're at at the free throw line with them on the blocks. Trey Scott misses the free throw, gets his own miss, and puts it back in. I I, I mean, come on. Now,
1: so here's as as you're reflecting all these Trey Scott stories, here's a question I have for you, though. Yes. There is no way you have any confidence in anyone on this current roster that is capable of doing any of those things, is there? Tari's. Tar, I'm maybe starting tarry. to fall in love maybe, with Tari. Maybe Tari. I'm. I'm if starting he stays to really, out of, If he stays out of foul trouble and doesn't get these crazy technicals and whatever right. bullying the team into submission, but
0: I'm. I'm drinking the Tari Eason Kool Aid. But like you said, there's so many factors that go into. You know, just cannot get the 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 ticky tack fouls. You cannot make the bonehead plays that take away from playing time. But I think obviously he is going to be the the brightest. Spot on this team, the rest of the way. But yeah, you you mentioned it. It all Bearcat teams in the last 13, all the way you know going back 24 years, have had an identity. Mm-hmm. You you knew when you were playing the Bearcats, you're gonna it's gonna be a fight. The entire game is gonna be just an all out battle. This Bearcat team, they it seems like they are trying to do that, but it just seems like they don't quite have an identity yet and I don't know exactly what it's going to take for them to get over that hump and, and build their identity. They, you know, if, if they don't have that side to them and they're mo- going to be more offensive-minded and, and really focus on scoring the basketball, getting up and down the court, you know, 94 feet both ways, then go all in on that. Go absolutely all in on that. Don't, don't try and do that for half of the game. The other half, you try and half-court fully bruise. You know what I mean? It's, it's got to be just an all-in effort on one or two styles either way.
1: I just wonder how much more, and I think that there's been considerable amount of effort done already, but I wonder how much more this team needs to embrace Tari Eason as being the guy. Because I don't think he's afraid of the moment, first and foremost. I think he works better with the ball revolving around him, plays designed for him as opposed to trying to play ISO and, you know, trying to create his own shot. I think it it works better revolving around him. But I honestly, I don't think that A, he's, I think he should have more playing time. And I know that some of that again is self-inflicted with the foul trouble that he's had with some of the turnovers that he's had. Um, But I also think that if this team decides that they're going to play a little bit smaller and start and run a little bit more kind of like what we saw against Georgia, where they, they certainly were forced to play smaller since they just didn't have the guys that could keep up. Um, And, you know, we've already, I think we touched on last week, the issues that vote has had uh, in rebounding in getting even getting shot opportunities. Um, He's just been a guy on the court in all honesty um, I think it's time to to revolve the ball around Tyre Easton a little bit more.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, you look at last year. Obviously Jaron was the guy. You know, get the ball in Jaron's hands, have him create, and and what happens off of that creation is gonna be your source of points and your source of, of getting things going. And and I, I will always say I feel so bad for the way that Jaron's career ended with with no chance of, of going for another conference championship and another shot at the oh. tournament, but you know, some things are out of your control no matter what, but on this team, I don't think they're going to make the full transition to, to a small ball look. But like you said, I, I think if you start to, and and Brandon talks about this all the time is, is people, the players need to get their roles and then perfect their roles to, to the best of their ability. So you you find the lead guard, whether it be to Julius or whether it be Mikey Saunders, and I think both of them were actually pretty good against UCF, getting into the teeth of the defense, finding open players on the outside, finding cutters, you know, holding it and then finding someone underneath the basket. I I think you just need to continually figure out what each player on the team is going to do better than the other players, and just hone in on that role and maximize it. And I do think that. That will require a, a higher uptake in the offensive you know, use of Tar Eason. And then Zach Harvey having a good game against UCF. I think maybe Zach Harvey can kind of take a little bit more of, of Michael, Micah Adams' Woods role, where he kind of is a creator. And then Micah can focus on those knockdown shots from the outside. So I don't know. It just seems like there are so many ways this, this team can go but they need to just figure out their identity and start rolling with that.
1: Well, and you bring up the UCF game, and we haven't touched on it yet as um, they played last Tuesday. But UCF is going to be such a fun team to watch the next oh, couple of years. I like them. They're legit. They play long they're, and fast. Yeah. And it's amazing how much better they look without Taco Fall slowing them down.
0: <laughs> I know. It, I isn't have a that the weirdest thing?
1: Hmm.
2: Have a theory
0: go on theory
2: ucf benefited from the pandemic because they spent less time this season this off season being Separated? coached by johnny dawkins <laughs> <laughs> wow So
1: did they did they have the can you confirm or deny? i don't know but did they have the same restrictions that because their entire i i mean both Brent and I have been down there since the the pandemic has started and everything's open and you can go freely into restaurants and all that. So did they have, they still
2: had, they still had all the NCAA restrictions. Okay.
1: Well, I didn't know if it was the same as like how the different conferences had different rules. I do have
0: one story. CJ Walker, their five-star transfer from who is,
2: who is potentially more athletic than Rapolis Ivanouskas. Potentially.
0: Potentially. Yes. Use. Put, not uh, a sure thing. Not a sure thing. We're not. We're not sure about that. Potentially more athletic than. Uh, than yes. A kangaroo. Okay. We, a, we will a, leave it at cheetah? that. We will leave it at that. But C.J. he Walker, jumped
2: over Jeremiah Davenport.
0: By the way, that dunk was nasty.
2: Nasty. He jumped over Jeremiah Davenport. Jeremiah Davenport's a pretty good athlete. But, but he, I, actually, I have to, I have to give Broering credit. Broering's tweet because he hates the GCL that that ended the GCL yeah. forever was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that like was the, just G, a nasty the GCL problem. had to shut down and like, no, 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 thirty, thirty-seven, thirty-six doesn't work anymore, kids.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, CJ Walker just looked ahead and he said, "Wow, I can get past this guy and let me try and finish strong," and and he did. So, but he actually is from Sanford, Florida, and he was he went back during the pandemic, and was working out with Central Florida, and because of the restrictions he couldn't get back to Oregon, so he decided, hey, I'm kind of meshing with with this team, I'm working out with with the guys on on the Knights, I'm just gonna transfer here, and so he decided, kind of through the pandemic, to become a Knight. So, yeah, for
2: them, he's look,
0: I think it worked out for them in that sense.
1: They're going to be
2: tough. May really, really good. Allen looks, Allen looks really talented. Yeah. Uh, You've got an athletic rim running five and and CJ Walker. Uh, This is a legit central Florida team. And it pains me to say that because I, Johnny Dawkins, like
0: they gave, they gave Houston all they could handle the other day.
1: Was it, it was it two or three years ago where they had the the point guard along with Taco where they they were legit
2: BJ, yeah yeah and they had it and they had his Johnny Dawkins son Aubrey Dawkins like, yeah Aubrey, like they, they were loaded they
1: teams. almost but beat them. Duke this, this team is I think this team is better up and down the floor just.
2: Mm. Dude, I know it's easy to take shots at Taco.
1: No, I mean I'm just saying they beat Florida State, and that that was they hadn't beat Florida State in years.
2: That that team almost beat one of the best Duke teams ever. Yeah. That was that was a legit like Taco was just such like a
1: a skyscraper.
2: It it just it it, it's you you never see anything like that. So you just are never alien you're never possibly prepared Taco. to play a seven foot seven center that actually can move a little. Like he's, was, he's not athletic, but right. he could move a little bit and like he had some game to him. He's still in the NBA, like kind of like, you know, he's on the, fringe Taco of the NBA. Met Zion at the rim and did not get posterized. He didn't move. So I, I, I understand where you're coming from. They have some legitimate, like, if we're talking about what I've seen from the AAC, yeah, I- I'm putting them second right now. I think they could run with I-, I-, I put them ahead of Memphis. They ran with Houston, yeah. they almost beat Houston. I know that's what the I'm game see- was boring, so I fell asleep with seven minutes left. <laughs> you can say that again, but they were right there with Houston, they so were. I- they are right now, and there's plenty of time for sure. things to change. But I, that they're the second best team I've seen in this league.
0: Yeah, and well, because it's it's kind of hard to find who else would be number two. It's
2: I mean, it, Memphis would be really the only other option, and I would take how right. UCF has played over how Memphis has played so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe give SMU a little love, but they really haven't played anybody. Um, yeah, I don't
2: know. I don't know what SMU is yet.
0: Right. Right.
2: That, that's not a knock on SMU. I just don't know what SMU is yet.
0: Yeah, we've seen the length and and and, and it's kind of we've like,
2: seen UCF
0: beat Florida State, yeah, and Auburn. We yep. also saw them lose by twenty-two to a Michigan team that's not great. No, so I it don't know. A bad game, no fair, doubt. Fair enough. It, but no still, even even in that game, they were within three points with I think sixty minutes left in the game. So, you know, it's uh, I I think this UCF team when I was doing research on them. I was breaking their team down and I, you know, this, the, the, their, their freshman Adams is, I, I mean, he's going to be a really big problem in the, in the American for a long time. Yeah. I mean, six foot six, the, the Florida player of the year. I mean, tell me, tell me how the Knights snagged that guy and tell me why he was so lowly rated across this across the nation. I, They're going to be way, tough
1: for a long time.
0: Yeah. It'll be fun to watch. Mayhan. If you listen to the broadcast, they gush about him saying Not that he's is the him. best best one on one offensive player in the country. So yeah. And and, and I think when you have a, a knockdown shooter like Darren Green that they have as well, just just kind of plays it's back amazing. to that whole yeah, just, just plays back to that whole role role thing that, that John's trying to create with the Bearcats. Get your role, learn your role, perfect your role, and then we'll see how everything goes. I don't know. It's uh but but even in that game, they had a chance to win. Every game this year, the Bearcats have been right there, except for the Georgia game. They have been right there. They did not have a chance
2: to win that game. No, no, of course not. But they they, they had a chance to win that game uh when they were down by one with like ten minutes left in the first half. <laughs> yes, correct. And from there they no longer they no longer had a chance to win that game from that point on. I that,
1: did the I did the write-up on that one. It was seven and a half left and there was like a 26 to 4 run or something it, outrageous.
2: Yeah. To say it got away quickly is uh, an understatement. It is. It is. Rick Patino thinks that got away
0: quickly. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> enjoy your enjoy your Italian lunch if you're eating or dinner will uh, like
2: Aaron how do, you, how do you like my new UC tumbler for bourbon
0: Oh that's fancy
2: I know my daughter bought it for me along with a bottle of Woodford which you, is impressive because one she's of, 10
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one of the uh the ice cube balls in it
2: No you don't have to because it's a tumbler and the ice doesn't melt because it's insulated Oh very nice So you you can actually just use real ice and it stays Well it I know stays, some people
1: will inject the um I, yeah balls with like the smoky flavor and what have you no
2: i mean i just want to you know that's too much she 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 went out of her way to get her dad a bottle of woodford and a and a bourbon tumbler so i want to you know respect her wishes for me to drink said bottle of woodford from said uc tumbler it's what a good a good dad would do
1: i just want to know where they're not iding a 10 year old
2: she, she's they, persuasive. They make great she's my IDs kid. these days. She's persuasive. She's my kid. <laughs> Ma'am, this says you're 5'4 and you're only 5'1. She
1: shows up stacked what? on top of another 10 year old in a
0: trench. Right. <laughs> 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 now they they just look at the ID and they see Brendel and they're like, ah, okay. It's for your dad. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> you, want, you want one or two bottles.
2: You want one or two. Sweetheart, you got the little one here's the bottle your dad normally buys a wood <laughs> <laughs>
1: we know how basketball season's going this one's on the house
2: <laughs> yeah, Right. <laughs> that's the funniest thing you've said in like 14 episodes well done sir
1: you don't have to Mine ID.
2: Hurt a little bit
1: <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> id when it's on the house it's a yes. gift
2: right good point that's a good point it's, it's that's not a, a good point well done it's a good point
0: well Aaron. Let's piggyback off that. Can't wait to. What needs to happen? We'll we'll go all the way until that road game at Houston. Okay. So, Tulsa at home at SMU, at Wichita State, ECU at home, Tulane at home at Temple. You've got six games there, leading into that Saturday CBS at houston which i just think is just gosh come on but anyway what the the bearcats come out of those six games what kind of record are you looking at feeling okay about
1: at this point i'd be happy with three i don't even know that i don't even know that that's realistic but i'd be happy with three um but in order to win three games of the next 6 you have to figure out a who your team leaders are. Cause I think this team still is struggling to find a leader as we right. touched on a little bit. Those are some of the roles that need to be defined because no one is stepping up to be a leader right now. B you just have to make shots. Yeah. Like take those high percentage shots. You're taking, honestly, you're taking shit shots. It's been a horrendous season. Sorry, Dan, but it's been mm-hmm. awful. Like we're just throwing things up and praying as the ball's in the air, you're not taking high percentage threes. You're trying to play to what the other team is trying to get you to play to whatever tempo it is that they want you to play into. And it's not been us playing our own ball. It's been us playing what the other team wants us to play. And until we start playing our own ball, and I hope and pray that we take the time off here until January to figure out what this team wants to be and find some semblance of identity. But until then, you're gonna continue to see fans both on Twitter and just in regular conversation in passing by and what have you where people have lost interest in this basketball program right now this season and I hate to say that
2: you want me me to drop an easter egg I know people are listening to this podcast in hopes of something yes on the rumors that are swirling on the message board I will give you one hint egg away one of Rapolis Ivanowskis or Mama Diara has been at practice this week. One of the two. I'll let you figure out which one in your in your mind.
0: Thank you. Easter bunny.
2: There's the Easter egg. Like that's you know, those are popular these days. You drop little Easter eggs.
0: Brendel Claus with the old uh, couple <laughs> days
2: past Christmas gift. One of those guys has been at practice this week. Right. When figure you- out which one it is amongst yeah. yourselves.
0: So here's here's my thought process on those games. Thank you for that, Chad Claus. But uh, <laughs> I I go into these games. I think the Bearcats could win all of them. And and call me the forever optimist. Jeez, what is wrong with this guy? Listen, listen, listen. The numbers, yes, the shooting numbers are horrendous. Yes, the defense has given up quite a lot. But turnovers and fouls too, man. Yes, they're, there's a phase that they are the not playing well. The slipped. Has seventy seven on Kempong. I like there. They, it's it's a team that has been in every game. They've also been on on the chance of having a loss but in one. every single game as well.
2: They've been in every game but one.
0: But one. We right. we covered that. We did. We did. <laughs> but I mean, you look at Tulsa. You if if you come out and you win that game against Tulsa, who just beat Memphis, but also has losses to Wichita State, South Carolina who's not very good in another team. I'm I'm losing it right now, but yeah, I you just look at these games, and it just seems like everyone. We don't know what SMU is. Wichita State is out. out to Gilbert show. I. It, it just kind of just in my mind. I look but at we, it, but Wichita's
1: still four and two.
0: Oh, I know. Oh, I know. But I, and I'm not saying they're going to win all of them. But I'm saying four wins, four at four and two, whichever way you can slice it. That's kind of what I'm. I'm hoping for or expecting
1: every one of these teams
0: is at 500 or better. Yeah, but records don't mean anything. We don't have one. Our record is garbage. But look at the teams we played. I you know, if if you throw in Emporia State and and Oral Roberts who's uh, not great. I mean, come, like you look at, at Kentucky and yes, they've they've been bad. But, but I mean, something- the record... You, they, you, you can't off of judge. Wins. You can't judge how good Kentucky is because they they played a gauntlet of a schedule. You
1: can. I, I mean, you can build momentum on wins though, and this team has yes. nothing to hang their hat on right now.
0: you just have an eleven day layoff, come back with a chosen identity. I think the rise of Zach Harvey. I hopefully he's been playing gets better. Written a little bit. I'm not saying they went all six. I'm saying all six are winnable. I'm saying, come out with four wins. Hopefully start with a win against Tulsa to, like you said, kind of get a little bit of momentum back. And if you get four out of the next six, I think you can slowly start to turn the season around.
1: I think four out of six is a pipe dream.
0: I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Should be be interesting. But, Aaron, one thing that is not a pipe dream, Cincinnati football recruiting. Like, like every week we're going to wrap up with a little touch on the Bearcats recruiting, unless you have anything left to sprinkle into the basketball talk.
1: I would just, I I know as you talk about recruiting, I'd love to hear some, some recruiting news on the basketball front. And I feel like that's been extra hush hush at this point.
0: Yeah, I think Chad, I think there are a couple of names.
2: I mean, what they're, pretty clearly going to play heavily in the transfer market this yeah. spring.
1: I mean, And there are the not thing.
2: transfers in the portal at this point for them to play heavily with. So you are literally asking for the impossible.
1: I'm just giving a voice to what the board say.
2: I'm, I've, I've explained it on the board. Somebody's so got to play, explain it on the podcast because somebody, you didn't listen on the board.
1: Somebody's got to play bad cop. I'm just, you know, we talk about roles. I'm here to fill mine you're welcome
0: (laughs) i love that i love that
2: it is going to be something that plays out in the spring and until we get to the spring we don't know how it's going to play out
1: thanks for putting up with me dad
2: is that an understandable answer do you do you grasp where i'm coming from
1: i'm good i just wanted sure i just wanted to give voice to what everybody on well you you wanted an
2: answer there is the answer much appreciated i know it's not the answer anybody wants right i know it's it's it having no commits for 2021 here's the funny thing to me would this really be any different if they had like the number one 26 recruit committed if they had one commit and he was like 126 in the country for 2021, everybody would be calm. If
1: he was a big, we might feel a little better.
2: No, you wouldn't. He's (laughs) 126. What 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 happened? He's he's not gonna 126 doesn't come in and play right away.
1: (laughs) Uh, On this team, he might. It's not
2: a it's not a terrible point. (laughs) I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. But it's. Is it unfortunate that things uh, are where they are right now in recruiting? Yes, it it is unfortunate that there is. uh, A situation that that caused them. To think that it was best to kind of hold off. Well, of course, a lot of that being five freshmen, two transfers, and three sophomores. And you don't know how those pieces fit until you get them on the floor together. And what that means long-term is you don't know exactly what you need. The one thing they knew they needed was a rim-running big. And they went after multiple, and they weren't able to land them. You want to dock John Brandon for that? Okay. Like, that. they knew a rim-protecting big was a necessity. They targeted multiple. Didn't get them. Lost one. Lost the, of the two main guys. They lost one to UConn, and one to Western Kentucky. Say what you will about Western Kentucky. Ching ching. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. Money money chain money. Chain. Um. Doon do, doon 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 doon. Aaron's probably too young for that one. You know what that is, Aaron. Money. There you go. There you go. You mm-hmm. could play, you could play, name that tune. It's coming back. Well, I, I saw, I,
1: I was trying to find an opening to throw in cash rules, everything around me. <laughs> Get
2: the monies, dollar, 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 dollar bills. Dollar. That's very on point for you. That's very on point, it's, especially to a conversation that we had before the podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, they're in the process of trying to figure out how to construct this roster long term. And jumping right. into one guys that you weren't sure of because you didn't get to see, you didn't get to build a relationship with that doesn't fit John and his system. And he also didn't know exactly what team he had. Now he knows he probably needs more help than he thought he did. Right. So maybe he would have approached it differently if he had the knowledge now that he didn't have then, but it is what it is. Like I, I can't help I, get but wonder, it's a talk, I get why it's a talking point. I just don't agree with, because I, I think it is short-sighted to not take everything into consideration as to why it was approached the way it was approached.
1: Obviously it hurt everybody, but I can't help but wonder what, it, what kind of difference it would have made if this ball club had been able to play through March Madness last year and what that would have done for recruiting.
2: I don't think, well, I mean, that might've done something for like-
1: Guys who were teetering.
2: Maybe, but I don't think it did much for John knowing what he needed. That's fair. Or how
0: about just recruiting in general? You know?
2: He, you know, he needs Trey Scott on this team, and that's not an option. So, like, well, hopefully,
0: hopefully you have to develop best, a Trey Scott. Hopefully a big that's at practice could try and hone in on that role, make that be his role for this team. I don't know. But uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, hypothetically, of course. Hypothetically, yes. Which, which he's shown flashes of it. So, yeah. Should but, I do? You,
2: do you, do you just, prefer your Easter eggs like actual Easter, like the hard broiled eggs, or do you prefer your Easter eggs like peanut butter, like Ooh. or like Cadbury? Ooh. I prefer I prefer Reese's.
0: Yeah, give me Reese's eggs.
1: Should I be preparing 100%. more? Uh, Money songs in throughout
0: the rest of the
2: podcast. We're almost done here. Like, uh, tight time schedule. How
0: about this? How about this? Tulsa is 4-3. and three, But their wins are against UT Arlington, Northwestern State, Southwestern Christian, and then a good win at Memphis. You know?
2: Winnable. Winnable. Yeah. Go win. Go win the damn. You play to win the game game. An interesting argument I've been having with Bengals fans for the past 24 hours.
0: Christ. I know, yeah. I kind of like how they they've been winning, but that's a whole conversation that could take hours. But um, you know, we do have to touch on it. Little uh, little Christmas gift given to the football recruiting side, Ian Pugh. If you watch his uh, his tape, man, he looks like a legit playmaker. Um, not really a playmaker in the sense of Catch it and go, but he's gonna make some some wow wow type catches and wow type plays. He's I from think your state, right? Day. What was that?
1: He's from your state, right?
0: Nah, he's a, he's a little bit further west. The old state of Illinois.
2: Oh, well, neighboring. But um, yeah, I made that I made mistake a, too because Indiana. It was UC in Indiana, so in my brain he was just from Indiana. He's actually <laughs> a Chicago kid. I said on here a couple of that – you're thinking is probably it, my fault.
1: That's where I was going. Yep.
2: When I when I said it was a kid from Indiana, uh, but it was not a kid from Indiana. It was a kid from Chicago that UC was competing with Indiana. And in my brain, uh, only kids from Indiana want to go to Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bad look now that they're, you know, a legit top 15 team in the country.
0: One the, of the craziest thing about his commitment, so Moo Moo – has still not gotten gotten a rating yet, which is, I don't it's know. It's coming. They're on a ratings. There's a ratings freeze. He I know. He cannot I know. be given
2: a rating yet.
0: I know. I know. As but, soon as he can, he will. But Pugh, it, who has, his tape is great. I, I mean, you're talking to 6'4 wide receiver, potential number one wide receiver on a great team. He is the lowest rated commit as of right now if you take Mumu out of the picture without a rating it that explains to you how good this class of 2022 is and, and he's an 86 eight, almost an 87 and I that mean,
1: that signing launches us to number 6 in the nation if i'm not mistaken correct
0: yeah with with an average rating of .8889 repeating so i i bet it's just .8888 until you can't say eight anymore eight but <laughs> but it's uh you know
2: all right and I, I muted going, chat. I can keep going. <laughs> you don't have that power, bro. I know. I that know. is not that is not within your capabilities.
0: <laughs> I know, clearly. But yeah. I I mean you you have to just I mean, we we've been talking about the smoke, we've been talking about the ability for, for them to recruit.
2: I can mute print. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh no. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. you're
0: back. Oh man, you know what? Here's the thing. This <laughs> the the commits in the twenty twenty two class have completely unmuted the doubters out there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm so proud of you right now.
0: <laughs> so, so, you know what? Hey, keep on chugging along. I'm, that's I'm why he's a proud professional,
2: of, folks. That's why he's that a is, professional.
0: That is one of the greatest things to uh, really hang your hat on is when people start to doubt your team not being in a Power 5 and they point to recruit rankings. Well, how about you take a look at this one? So, uh, really looking up on that, and that's all I have to say on that one. <laughs>
1: Otherwise, you might get muted again.
0: <laughs> Try to make that one short and sweet. He brought that on himself, like he I did. did that I did. to himself. Completely did
1: poking the bear.
2: Man put myself ahead of the train. Look, poking the bear is fine, except for when the bear has the gun. Ooh. you don't you don't want the bear to have the gun.
0: No, that's not good. I brought so. my fist to a bear fight with the gun, so you did. <laughs> <laughs> No thanks. And, uh, we, uh, I we
2: I did have somebody ask, um, so I want to get to this before we get out of here.
0: Yeah. They were
2: asking about the because uh, Luke and Luke Luke uh, did his usual uh, mess with Chad today. When I asked him about finding a rhythm, yeah, uh, and he mentioned that it was uh, very uh, very keen of me to notice that his team had ten procedure penalties. I think it was nine. Was it? ten? It,
0: it, it was eight.
2: eight. Nine, if you count the one that was called on uh, Tulsa. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Why would you count that one? Because it was a procedure penalty. <laughs> tell me, tell me the other 10 if you count the one from player that won you see the game. Um, but uh, the, the is there a concern with Renfro going into this game with Georgia? Uh, I would be lying if I didn't say I wasn't a touch concerned with with teams figuring things out on you know the tape being out on a freshman center at the tail end of his his first season especially a defensive line that is as physically gifted and talented as Georgia
0: yeah
2: Uh, I I do worry about that a little bit but it was pretty clear in that game Tulsa was uh, mimicking the snap count yeah, abundantly clear. Tulsa was mimicking the staff comp for, you know, for most do, of the game.
0: What this staff will do is, before the game even starts, pull the officials over or whenever they have their official meetings and say, "Hey, last you know, last game out, our opponent was was doing this, was doing that. Yeah, can we just keep an eye out for that?"
2: And then I, I was also asked, like, and we talked about this. I think it was either here or on the the BCJ pod. Uh, Would they do something to combat that if it happened again? They did against Tulsa. They went to the guard signaling the snap to the center. And that actually set up the offsides from Tulsa that gave UC the first down that allowed them to kick the game-winning field goal because they didn't do – when the guard signaled that Tulsa thought they had picked up on, the guard signaled to Renfro. Renfro didn't snap the ball. Tulsa jumps off sides. I think after what we saw against Tulsa, there will be some more safeguards in place for Georgia because I'm sure Georgia looked at that and said, Hey, maybe, maybe we're onto something here that that Tulsa picked up on. You're going to have 12 days, whatever, to work with Renfro and McConnell and O'Quinn on that, inner working of the offensive line, the middle of the offensive line. Um, so I just want, I, I promised them. I promised somebody I would talk about that on this podcast tonight. Uh, am I a little worried that Renfro's having a little bit more issues towards the end of the season? A little bit. Yeah. He's a freshman and George is really good, but uh, I do think this staff will be smart enough to give him the ammo to combat that if necessary uh on friday yeah and that's
0: and when I you know when you know that's going to be coming you can use that to your advantage as well you can yes. kind of because when that's that's the main advantage that the offensive line has over the defense that the offense as a whole has over the defense is knowing the snap count or when you're going to hike the football so you have you do have the ability to have that first push that's kind of been an art that's been taken away a bit you know teams like to to milk the, milk the clock all the way down, especially in the NFL. But this could be a game where you kind of negate that that first punch that Georgia has if you are able to protect Renfro a little bit. And I think Renfro is extremely smart. I think that, yes, as competition really amped up, especially against Tulsa, you saw a little bit of the freshman side of him. But I think overall, like you're mentioning, the the staff knows that that was something that, that, that was kind of a, a focus that they had to look at especially because luke mentioned it right away so yeah i think uh something to look out for but i think something that could be easily fixed it's
2: just like that he wonderful. he did he did notice my keen eye for football
0: right. yeah you ac- are, my football
2: uh, acumen uh when you're when asking that question you're simply incredible <laughs> coach did you have rhythm problem we had eight false starts of course we had rhythm problems chad you idiot which is actually translated that's what he was saying but i'm going to take it as him complimenting my acute uh football acumen
1: i can totally relate to being talked
2: to that way (laughs) see i do that to you guys only because luke does it to me every (laughs) time i open my mouth does it make you feel better aaron
1: i mean it's, it's still hard to sleep at night. It's
2: fine. <laughs> you did love the, the, the gif I sent you are right I did. I, I saved it. it. Totally did saved you? it. It's a good one. It's a good one.
1: Just, uh, just got to keep them under 20. I think if we keep them under 20, it's a game.
2: Man. I don't think you keep them under 20. I think this is a game in the mid, mid-20s, lower 30s.
0: I, I think if you shut down their rushing attack, That's then key. it's at least open. And I think you got you to gotta get that bread and butter play going again. Um, Wait,
2: that's the point I gave you when we were talking before
0: the show. What? Stop the rushing attack. No, that's, that's the number one thing. When you look at the two teams, it's so blatantly obvious. <laughs> well, that and then, I, I mean, honestly. You said something impossible. else. You it's, said it's something impossible. else. It's impossible to try and establish a run against Georgia, the number one rush defense in the country. So I, I think that the, the bread and butter play needs to work with the tight ends. And I think when Den Brock mentioned that today about how he has been focusing really hard on coming up with, you know, different options to try and combat against teams that are focusing on trying to take away certain plays. I'd like that to think maybe it's, uh, it's a chance to see a couple of new wrinkles in that uh, the bread and butter Des rolling out play with either Wiley or Bruno or Lenny in front of him and the the chance to run as well. So I'm hoping that there's some more ripples. Um I think that this is another game where you could have, you know, since they hasn't ran too many trick plays this year. I, I'm not we saying were, that they're gonna have to go saw how the well that and pull trick
1: out a play, bunch. We saw <laughs> how well a trick play went against
0: Tulsa.
2: Luke, yes. Luke's not a big trick play guy.
0: That that directly. He's, he's not. But I think I think the one that you saw. Terrible. The one that you saw against uh who was that against? It was ECU, I believe. They pulled it out at the end of the no, it was maybe Houston, they pulled it out in the start of the fourth quarter. That had Lenny wide open on the corner. It was a it was like a double reverse pass. I understand you don't want to do too many tricks, but hey, maybe one. Keep them on their toes. I don't know. I if You're going to need some some big time plays and uh, that that bread and butter play, if they're able to to fix with another additional decision through that, could play dividends in the end. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess, uh, yeah. Aaron, anything in closing, I guess?
1: I'm very, very excited to see what bring what 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 this game brings and certainly hoping for a different outcome than anything close to the Sugar Bowl.
0: Yes. Tebow, when Tim Tebow set almost every record imaginable in that game. That was not a fun watch. Tebow and no. Jesus. I tell you what, it was a... Uh, man, that buildup was awesome. New Orleans was... Cincinnati's baby until the game. So, yeah, <laughs> got to hope, uh, got to hope for a big, uh, big, just, just show on the field what you're made of. I think that's the main thing. But uh, Aaron, if you have nothing else, I think it's uh, oh, sorry. time to, time to wrap this one up, dad, anything left to sprinkle in? You, you put on the Easter bunny hat. You have uh, put on the DJ hat. I mean, man, you've been all over the place tonight. Coach hat. I mean,
2: I, you know, I, I've been, this is like my fifth, uh, video thing of the, the day today. Uh, you look as
0: crisp as you did at eight a.m. this morning.
2: I, I've, I've been, I've warmed up throughout the day. I've had a lot of, a lot of reps today. That's good practice. A lot of reps. good. Uh, I thought I walk through in
0: a, in an underground tunnel type thing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I thought I really brought it tonight. Uh, the energy was good. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just trying to, trying to get through it, trying to, you know, really, uh, to put our best, we're trying to finish strong. I mean, and that's that's what it's about. It's not how you start; it's how you finish. Uh, and we're, you yeah. know, for the, the BBP has become a staple uh, in Bearcat Land, and uh, and we're trying to finish strong. And I'm just trying to to lead my guys. You know, I'm I'm trying to really to get us get us across the finish line. Wow! And uh, and show you know that that we belong. Wow. Show that show that the BBP is really a, a pod to be reckoned with uh, as we go into 2021.
1: Hashtag Coach Speak One Hundred and One. Wow,
2: that, yeah, that You how know many you know, you know any press conferences I've sat
0: through in my, my twenty-five
2: was, years doing this, and Aaron? That uh. was really good.
0: Maybe a uh, maybe a game ball for you. Maybe maybe we can send <laughs> that clip to uh, to Kelsey Sharkey, have her break it up for a little uh, little video pump up for the for the BCJ. You
2: could. I mean, I think it would be a, it would be a great production.
0: <laughs> Kelsey well, does a great
2: job. She's a, she's an important member of our team.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Here's, <laughs> here's here's the thing. Friday. 12 noon. Friday. 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 12 noon. Statement time again. We say it every week. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Hopefully it is. But uh, until then. And then Saturday. Yeah. And then Saturday. The turnaround. How quick? How quick can we turn it around? Could, after could a, be after another one of layoff. those. Another one of those weekends where oh boy. it could be a great sports weekend. Oh, boy. Or Oof. it could be a Cincinnati sports weekend.
2: Oof. Get Friday, free. Saturday,
0: Bengals Sunday. Oh, boy.
2: This feels bad. <laughs> this feels bad.
0: 2021, though, man,
2: turn the page. <laughs> right. That, like, that's the, the terrible part. We could start. We legit could start. Oh, no. Let <laughs> me just put that evil. You just put that evil in my brain.
1: Wouldn't that be That's, things getting back to normal though? <laughs> true. The, like we
2: talked about two weeks, like the, the 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 AAC championship and the Bengals like beating the Steelers. That was that was ending 2020 on a higher note than it should have. Oh boy. Oh boy. January one and January two. What is it? Good vibes only, right? Yeah, good positive vibes only.
0: Positive vibes only, baby. We'll see you Let's next year. <laughs> oh, I like that. Aaron, good, good sprinkle there. That was a dad joke. I was You're welcome. We that out of our dad, but uh, you, you pulled it out. That's great. <laughs> but, yeah. Let's I go. Mean, I got stuff to do. To- Let's go. I know. I tried. Friday, lock in. Saturday, lock in. Hopefully, two wins this weekend. And then we'll be back in 2021. To break it all down. Yet again, for Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. This is the BBP on BearcatJournal.com.